HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. We're excited to partner with Talk, the only unified platform for reservations, takeout, and event management. Talk is home to 7,000 restaurants, bars, wineries, and breweries. Switch to Talk today to increase your revenue and reach millions of loyal and engaged guests around the country. Now more than ever, chefs and entrepreneurs are finding new ways to get their businesses off the ground and being immensely creative to minimize their risk while generating a name for themselves. Working together and collaborating has been a way in recent years for the culinary world to grow and share audiences. A more permanent collaboration can be a way to not only share those audiences, but also share the burden of overhead costs associated with business operations. One such business, a collective, is doing just that. Kit in Prospect Heights, Brooklyn, is bringing together food businesses in one space to share their communities and further their concept. And our guest today is Libby Willis, who you probably know as the co-founder of the beloved restaurant queer community space, Mimi's Diner, RIP. And Libby introduced Kit in the former Mimi space this past June. So welcome to the show, Libby. We're so excited to chat. Welcome. Thanks for having me. I'm very excited to be here. So obviously, um, we'll just launch right in. Um, the pandemic has been horrible for every, has been horrible, <laughs> has been a challenge for many people, especially obviously in our community. Um, and there's been, you know, a lot of closures and Mimi's is one of them, um, yeah. which was obviously a very difficult decision. And I, like, if for those of you who didn't follow, like there was an explosion of like outcrying and like, like, I mean, I feel like there was like a lot of mourning and love because um, it was such a special place to so many people. So tell us what, aside from a raging pandemic, led to the closure. <laughs> yeah, I, I think, you know, the Mimi's closed as a, as a response to the pandemic, but also as a response to, um, the difficulties in the sort of non-unsustainable nature of the restaurant industry as a whole. Um, and, you know, that all of those reasons, that's a whole, I mean, I think we'll probably get into them about when we talk about Kit and why, you know, I'm trying to build Kit as a more sustainable model. But, um, you know, what, what you said about it being, you know, Mimi's closing, having this period of mourning, um, was really one of the 
main reasons, it was one of the things that gave me the most strength to continue on and try to figure out a new model because it was abundantly clear to me that the space needed to be saved and to um, it was more than a restaurant. It was a it was a community hub and a place where people felt at home and um, comforted, and that was really, you know, all that I needed to see in order to try to maintain the space. So you knew when you shot Mamie's that you weren't going to give up the space, you were going to turn it into something else? Well, no, I wouldn't say that, like, immediately, right? Like, it it was, it was the overwhelming um, feeling that I had when we closed that... Um, we had captured something and I wanted to try to maintain that um, and not, you know, and not have it be gone from the community. Um, And then, um, you know, I had to think about all of the reasons, like how we got here in the first place, why, why it wasn't sustainable, why we needed to close um, in order to sort of reverse engineer the process and figure out what we needed to do in order to maintain the space. It, so this has like historically been a challenge for, for restaurants, right? Always, that's like always been the refrain. We have small margins, we have small margins. What, what was it about Mimi's that you feel like was the driving force and, and that, and what do you, what are you doing differently with Kit to sort of rectify that? Sure. Well, you know, I think one of the things that um, it seemed really obvious to me was that um, we needed to figure out how to make small food businesses more accessible to to people to, so that people have ownership of their spaces and of their ideas and their projects. Um, and the scale at which you need to do that in New York City in particular and restaurants across the world and across the country, but especially in New York City, this the amount of money that you need to have in order to do that um, is it makes it so that the effort is... Um, I mean, you have to take money from all different kinds of people who, you know, change the dynamic of the restaurant that you set out to open. And um, it's it does make having a business that is about serving all different kinds of people, it does make it very difficult to... Um, figure out how to make something that's sustainable, you know, your, your labor costs and your fixed costs and, you know, how much money it costs to have the trash picked up every day. And, and you really do need it picked up every day because your space is so small that you don't have anywhere to, um, you know, to, to store the two bags of trash that you're making. But then in order to have, you know, it's just like all of these little details that really build up financially where the burden is, is so great that, you know, I really wanted to be able to figure out how to, how to share it. Mm -hmm. So, and that led to, I mean, it's, it's true. It's like New York is so astronomically expensive and most people on our show, we talk about financing a lot and most people on our show, I had to get 10 investors. I had to do this. And it's like, and like you said, you lose, you know, there's 
there's benefits to doing it on your own. There's benefits to sharing, you know, to raising money. And, but, you know, you do give something up when you, when you get money from outsiders for sure. Um, not to mention they have to pay those people back. Right. Right. I mean, there's like the emotional toll that debt carries Mm -hmm. and the financial toll that debt carries. Um, and, and I just, and not everybody has access to people with lots of money. Um, and, and that makes our restaurant community, um, the people that own restaurants, it makes it smaller because, um, we don't, we're not able to open the, you know, open the streets, open the storefronts up to people who, um, aren't like everyone who already has the restaurants. No, that is true. There isn't, I mean, and that's something I don't think we do talk enough about is, you know, when people say, oh, I raised money from friends and family. Well, not everybody has friends and family who have lots of money. So then that limits Absolutely. the pool of who can be restaurant tours, if that's the only way to get something off the ground, especially in a city like, like New York. Um, Absolutely. But don't be afraid to ask all of your friends if they may have friends who may have friends <laughs> who have money. Cause that is how it <laughs> And then, and then, you know, I, what I really, find that happens is you know you are then having to please a lot of a lot of other voices no matter what you know no even if people are you know kind and gracious and let you make the decisions that you make that you need to run the business on a on a daily basis which that is pretty rare um it it adds something to the environment um, when you're working, I think, um, as a team that there are sort of these, you know, all seeing overlords that, you know, sort of own what you're doing. And, and I think that that works in some cases, obviously there are, you know, like chain restaurants and all of these things. But I think when we're talking about restaurants that are supposed to be neighborhood focused and um all about you know the the customers and and the and the employees that are in the space um we i i we have to figure out how to make it more um equitable between those who run the restaurant and and those who own the restaurant Mm -hmm. so tell us um for those that don't know yet what uh, Kit is. Give us the, the general description. <laughs> yeah, here description we are talking and, about it. <laughs> yeah, just so that people understand what we're talking about. Um, tell us what it is and, and who's there now and how and, and how the concept uh, worked in your mind perhaps sure, before you Sure, sure. So um, Kit is um, a space that I like to think of as like a launch pad or an incubator. Um or as a community of um, small businesses all sharing one space. Um, So currently we have my house brand, which is the kit brand, which is sort of the, um, the, what is supposed to be the like old reliable in the space, right? So it functions as a coffee shop during the day with um, a pastry counter and a grab and go refrigerator full of dips and salads and spreads and sandwiches. Um, and the front of house is held down by the barista for Kit and also by um, the wine bar. Um, natural wine bar called Black Cat Wines. 
Um, and then also functioning out of the space is Solid Wiggles, um, which is a boozy jelly cake business. Um, and they are, um, they have a retail section for people to come in and, um, pick up jelly cakes or jelly slices. And they also, um, function as a, um, online business shipping their cakes through Gold Belly. Which, by the way, I didn't know that I needed a jelly cake in my life until I looked up their Instagram and I was like, oh my God, I need like a jelly cake in my life. They're not just like a jelly cake. They're like little works of art. They're so cool. They're so cool. And they taste so good. They're like, I mean, they're honestly really well-crafted cocktails in solid form and then taken to the next level by being really beautiful and really intricately made. Um, They're very fun <laughs> so fun i want to i want a solid wiggles cake for my next birthday Libby, how big is the how big is the space so the space is not very big um right now we have it configured so that there are four small tables um inside and then we have about like 25 seats on our patio out front um and then we have a small service kitchen that I ran the that I ran Mimi's out of um, upstairs, and then in the basement we have like a full prep kitchen space. Um, so it's small, but you know we've really figured out how to organize ourselves um, <laughs> and um, all have our own spaces to um, run our little businesses out of. Um, so you guys could and, essentially all be working at the same time or you have like scheduled yes. slots and stuff like that? Oh, okay. It, it's both. Um, it is scheduled um, because sometimes people have different needs. You know, somebody might be doing a catering job and, you know, need to have more space one week than they did before. But um, between both kitchens and the wine bar really just maintaining, you know, the upstairs, we're able to sort of, um, you know, work all at one time. Cool. And you recently had another tenant, Dacha. Yep. Dacha 46 was in the space. Um, and that was really fun. They ran brunch, um, on the weekends, um, as a pop-up. And now they're, um, you know, taking a little break to focus on some menu planning and, um, really figure out what, um, their next, um, offering is to the world. So it was really fun to have them here in the beginning of the summer and share space with them and, um, you know, open the concept together and work on, you know, figuring out how the, how sharing space works. How did you decide that sharing the space was the right move for, for Kit and in general, like, and for, and business wise also, like, how did you figure out that that was going to work and what led you to that decision? Um, well, I had, I mean, I had a problem. Uh-huh. <laughs> I had, I had a lease. Um, I had, you know, all of everything that I had invested into the space was, was, um, was sitting in the space, you know? Um, and I needed to figure out what I could do to, um, 
to maintain it. And I, so I sort of had to work backward and simultaneously I had in the community all of these friends who had lost their restaurant jobs and still wanted to cook and still wanted to share. And we saw a huge uptick in pop-ups and new ways of providing hospitality to people during the pandemic. Um, But the difficulty of running a food business, you know, didn't change. Um, And you know, in the case of like Dacha 46, you know, they were doing as much as they could out of their apartment. And I saw that I had a kitchen space and that there needed to be a boundary in their lives between work and home. And, um, it just made sense that we could share the burden. Um, and then I was like, well, you know, how do we maintain ownership over all of our particular businesses um, while while using the resources that I have? Um, and so it just became, you know, figuring out the exact right um, mesh of small businesses to keep the space afloat. Um, I talked to everybody about my, about my, um, wild idea and, um, we, we just got to work on it, figuring out exactly, exactly how it was going to be equitable to share the space, talking about the finances, um, you know, and about the kinds of transparency we wish we had seen in other restaurants. Tell us a little bit, if you can, about the finances and and how the partnership works. Is it a situation where they're paying you rent or they're getting profit shares or? Right. So everybody is able to maintain their own business. And so, you know, the space works as um, people rent from me, essentially sublease the space from me, and then um, are consultants, you know, as a way to um, navigate our financial um, ties to one bank account, um, where the money all comes into one bank account. Um, And then people get paid out from their direct sales as consultants. Got it. Oh, cool. So basically everything's captured through like one POS and then exactly. it's basically paid out based on like what exact exactly. revenue that they made. Interesting. Exactly. And then how did that tell us how like, so you obviously had the space, had the space in the lease. How long was your mm-hmm. lease on Mimi's and how much time did you have left? Yeah. So, um, we had, when we got this, when Bill and I got the space in, um, 2016, we got a 10 year lease, um, with the option of five. So we have a 10 plus five and we had you, we had gone through five years of the lease. Um, so, you know, we're still here. We have a good (laughs) amount of time. We have lovely landlords, um, and, um, who, you know, are also committed to making it work for us. Yeah, that was actually, that was my next question. So your landlords, you just, because there was a time where you were closed and, um, between the two concepts. So how, tell us a little bit about, did, you know, did you have to ask your landlord for some rent forgiveness or, you know, were you 
how did how did that work out where yeah, you flipping we, things over? Right. I mean, it's we've we've worked out a deal where um, you know, they know that I'm committed to the space and I pay rent and um they have been flexible about um how how much of the back rent gets paid at a time, um, knowing that we will be paying off the rent that we I wasn't paying while we were closed. Does the landlord have any, do they have any qualms or concerns about um, subletting, essentially, portions no, of the space? So, or are I they mean, sort of like, as long as I get my check, I don't care? It's, ex- well, yeah, I mean, it, I think there's a lot of... Um, uh, there's a lot of insurances and assurances, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Like, um, uh, one of the fixed costs that we all share is we all have to have insurance. Um, and so with proper documentation and, you know, transparency with insurance companies and everyone having their own business, um, and being insured, um, there's plenty of people who are liable other than the landlord. How are, are those headaches when you're switching from business to business? Or? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> are there other yeah, things I mean, like that that are challenging? Yeah. Insurance is, I mean, when you get on a call with your insurance guys, they're like, hey, how are you? Nice to see you. Um, how are you doing? And you're like, well, I'm talking to you. Um, and they're like, yeah, I mean, you know, insurance is, is one of those costs that, It's a you know, scheme. It's like such a it's scam. A scam. I fucking it's a scam. hate shit. It's such a yeah. fucking scam. It's, it's like, a scam. And then everyone knows it's a scam. But it's you have scam. to have it. I mean, you have to, you I have know. to have it. I know. You I'm with it. you. I'm with you, Olivia. It's like, it's such a scam. I'm like, biggest scam. I mean, scam. look at. Look at what happened in the in the beginning of the pandemic. We all have all kinds of wild insurance policies where we predict the horrible things that are going to happen to the future of our businesses. And then, so we had business interruption insurance and you call your insurance person when your business gets shut down by the government for the first time in your life. Oh, that's and, not covered. <laughs> and oh, they're that's like, not covered. Oh, Oh, viruses. Yeah. I mean, honestly, the insurance guy, he told me, he was like, he's like, yeah, you don't have pandemic insurance. There are some (laughs) companies that do have pandemic insurance, but COVID-19 was not a known pandemic. Because all pandemics are known. I mean, it's been 100 years since we had a pandemic. I know also, our if insurance. if I knew it was going to happen, I mean, maybe I wouldn't need insurance against I, it. Like, would be. <laughs> yeah, I, our, we have the same thing. We could, I, we could I do called, a whole other podcast uh-huh. about insurance. I know, I can't. Yeah. Don't get me. So I'm, I'm like getting hot over here. My face is getting red. I'm sweating. I'm like, oh. I know, I'm, I'm, I'm having flashbacks to like calls in March 2020 of being uh, like. Yeah. Tell us a little bit more about the, during the conversion time, did you, was there a lot that you did to the space to sort of make it? No, so welcoming and clear to the customer as to who was serving what and that kind of thing. Sure, sure. I I think it's been, um, you know, the space. I didn't do a lot to change the space. Um, I think taking the tables out really changed the space. <laughs> um, 
Uh, and having a big espresso machine at the end of the counter also changed the space. But I did, um, my brother um, is a really talented and skilled um, woodworker, and he built us some custom um, shelving that is on the long wall in the restaurant. Um, And people come in and they're like, oh... This feels, they're like, it's really different in here, but it also like feels like Mimi's and it feels like familiar, but it is definitely different. And, um, you know, that's what I was looking for, that for you to come in and to be excited to be in the space, but to feel at home um, in the way that people did when they came into Mimi's. Um, And then as far as, um, you know, displaying everybody's um, things um, so that everybody can have sort of ownership and visibility in the space has also been, has been fun because it's a branding exercise. Um, And so we, you know, everybody has really fun logos and there's lots of stickers and information with everything on it um, and signage. So it's, um, it's it's a it's a fun and welcoming place and it I think it feels like a cool exciting um event space and community space now. And t- so for like long term is the plan also so like obviously Dacha opened on the weekends you know you were, mm-hmm. you opened with them for the weekends is the plan to have a rotating um a rotating sort of pop-up series like going a residency. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think um you know my I'm open. I'm flexible. I um I want the space to be a place that can work for all lots of different people with lots of different business ideas. Um so right now, you know, we're still sort of floating in this pop-up world where people are um, you know, craving ownership of their ideas and their um and their food and their businesses and so it's really fun for us to host people who um you know might not be able to open a traditional restaurant on their own um and act as um an event space and so that that's fun and that's working for us right now um with you know, while maintaining the sort of like coffee shop wine bar um, on days where people aren't um, popping up in the space as a as a restaurant. Um, I think what, you know, we've all found out is that, you know, running a small business with a small team takes a lot and having something that's available every day is... Um, it takes it takes a it takes a lot of money, and um, and is a hard work life balance. And so, you know, coming in for a month or two in a residency and and figuring out what you want your future business to look like um, is a luxury that I'm like really happy to be able to um, pro- help provide to people while being on the benefit, like I'm benefiting from it too. So it feels like this like really symbiotic relationship where we get to share resources with each other. And I mean, and to the point of how we started the conversation is like, it's privileged people who are open to, are able to open restaurants because it often takes people who know money because 
people are not often right. getting small business loans because it's hard to get right. a loan for a restaurant. So I think that take that e- even the pop-ups seem to be evening the playing field a little bit, yes. a teeny yeah. tiny bit, um, and giving, like you said, somebody maybe who wouldn't have had a chance to launch their own yeah. restaurant a place to explore. Yeah. Um, so does, and the business works with or without doing additional pop-ups, like it works with the peak, with like the three businesses that right, currently exactly. are operating the space. Exactly. And, to, exactly. Well, and for the businesses that are currently operating the space, are there, so they subletted from you, are there term, are there lease terms for it? Or is it, you know, or did you like everybody committed to a year or three years, five, or is there sort of like more flexibility? Yeah, definitely more flexibility because I am aware that we are trying something new um, and that I don't have all the answers. I don't know exactly how this is all going to work forever, but that um, we're committed to figuring it out. Um, So... Um, you know, Dacha, we cre- we agreed upon, you know, um, a much shorter term lease um, and, you know, solid wiggles. This model really works for them because they really need a facility to work out of. And this has the bonus of having a retail option for them where having a full Jello retail store would have been kind of... I mean, you can imagine that would be really difficult. Um, and it is um, New York. I could see it. It's just whether it, I think the challenge would certainly yeah. be in convincing the bank that you need the loan for that. Yeah, I could see like a food hall, but I think it would be like for a, a dedicated but it makes shop. A, I could see. I could yeah, see it makes a lot of sense to be where you are. Yeah. Are you yeah. seeing a lot of people? Are you getting people coming to you now and saying, "Hey, I went in on the next." Round yeah, absolutely. I'm really excited to. Um, you know, there'll be some more announcements coming up soon. <laughs> um, things are definitely in the works. We're, we're figuring out how to really market this to people as customers, like to make it um, easy for everyone to know what's happening in the space all at one time. Um, and then and um, also figuring out who's going to be using this space um, for residencies, Um and so there are some announcements coming up with that soon, but I can't say anything yet. <laughs> and how do you um, give us a rundown for those who would be concerned? There are often lots of different characters and opinions in a kitchen. So to combine three different businesses, how do you sort of make sure that everybody's going to fit and working well together? Yeah, um, well, it's <laughs> a good question. I think for the, for the most part... Um, you know, when you come in as a business, you do have autonomy over your space while you're there. Um, so we are, um, you know, you do, you, I, the people, the people in the space, the business, the other business owners, the cohort, um, we don't have any say over what you sell or how you make it or anything like that. Um, we are just support forever for each other. Um, so you do get to have your own autonomy. Um, you know, the kitchen space is separated so that you, when you're doing service, you know, you're running the show and we are, um, you know, the front of house is already taken care of by Black Cat Wines and, you know, service runs the way that you want it to run. 
it's nice. It's like how like it's like a small business food hall. It's you know, it's like yes, a non corporate exactly. version, which is like there really hasn't been a platform like that. So it's right. it's really interesting and really exciting. Um, Thank you. Yeah, for sure. So aside from um, upcoming. Um, I don't want to say tenants. What did you, what did you call Residency, them? Residency. Residency is a great way to put it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Which we can't hear about. <laughs> what? Uh, how? <laughs> I, I'm, yeah. I just. <laughs> Alex really wants to know. Just tell me. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> how do you see, how do you see the business growing for you? Um, or do you see it as, you know, this is all you, this is what you want to do. You, you enjoy the mentoring, you enjoy getting people started. I mean, I, I feel like I could see this in other markets. I could see it in other parts of New York. Do you see it yeah. the same way? Um, I am honestly figuring it out. I, one, one of the personal reasons why I started this was because I don't, I didn't know what I would do if I opened or if I opened another restaurant. I feel like personally I haven't really been able to deal with losing of my restaurant in a real way yet in a way that I would be able to even figure out what my next food perspective is. Um, and so, but what felt invigorating to me and was pulling me out of, you know, the really hard place that was having to decide to close the restaurant was that I had all of these resources to share and that organizing my community and um, sharing was what I really wanted to do and felt like I was, um, felt productive um, and it was really a response to both the pandemic and to the reckoning that we've been going through as a restaurant community um, for many years publicly and for many more years before. Um, and so I do really enjoy this position that I am in right now where I get to, you know, share. I don't really use the word mentor because I want it to be a place where we acknowledge that we're all um, exploring things together um, and open to learning new things from each other. But I do like that. I'm, I'm so happy to be here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I think it's a, it's definitely very, it's like a different place to be. And it's really, I think the thing that has surprised and not surprised me about the pandemic is how, how like smart and how innovative the industry really is to come up with like new ways to do business and collaborate. Yeah. And, um, well, I think people are also committed to, um, we talk about this a lot with, you know, just the, the, post-COVID return to work, I think people are committed to not going back to the way things were and have, right. you know, found, you know, for better or worse, this new level of um, freedom to sort of do what they want and, and to be their own boss. And I think, like, like you said, people are doing all different kinds of creative things to, to make that um, sustainable rather than just a temporary blip in, in, our, in our food system. So... Um, it's certainly neat to see, and there, there are, I mean, there, there's numerous reasons to be 
doing this. I think the one of the biggest challenges that we had in opening and losing the restaurant was just the level of stress from yeah. the risk and the, yeah. you know, I mean, the amount of money, even if you can find it, can yeah. just like eat you away on the risk every day of, of going in and making sure you don't fucking lose it. So absolutely, um, it's nice. Uh, you know, I encourage everybody that we talk to that's going through this and finding the lowest risk way to start your business and to start getting attention for your name. And this is, this seems like such a, a genius way to do it. I'm curious <laughs> what your, um, how, what your customer response has been. So like the people who, you know, knew and knew and loved, you know, Mimi's and the, mm-hmm. you know, it's such a neighborhood spot. How has been the response from the customers and the community who lives close to the, close to the yeah. restaurant? Um, we're so thankful and lucky that people are excited about it, that, um, we have a clientele that, you know, was walking after Mimi's clothes was walking by every day and peering in the window, wondering if something was happening, um, wondering what was going to come next. And then being, um, you know, I think some people walk in and they're a little hesitant and they're like, um, you know, this was Mimi's. And I'm like, no, we're <laughs> like, thank you so much for being so, so loyal. We're, um, you know, it's a new, it's a new Mimi's family, same spirit, um, new Like attitude. they didn't realize it was you, so they were like, um, right. what are you doing here? You're like, lady, exactly. I've been here. <laughs> right, I was, I mean, I was often in the basement or in the, in the kitchen, and so now I'm, uh, you know, up front a little bit more out, um, on the floor. Um, and so it's been really fun to, um, to interact with people a lot more than I was before. Um, but you know, people are excited about it. We get, you know, we have regulars again for coffee and pastry. Um, when we have pop-ups, you know, we get, um, people coming in and just being like, we're just so happy to see the space still here and still alive. Um, so it's, I, I feel so thankful. <laughs> Good. Yeah. I mean, it's great that the community is responding to a new way of doing business too, because yeah. obviously we have to have customers, right? At the end of the day. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> This episode is brought to you by Talk. Ramen Well is an award-winning ramen joint in San Francisco's bustling Mission District. And chef owner Harold Gerardo leaves traditional flavors behind for modern bowls of ramen made with fresh California ingredients. And thanks to Talk, he's able to fill his dining room and patio with hungry guests. When booking a table, Ramen Well charges a nominal $5 deposit per person. Chef Gerardo says, since we've integrated with Talk, we now are able to digitally organize and communicate with all of our guests synchronously. This added level of hospitality allows us to provide a better experience as well as retain a greater number of guests. To learn more about how Talk offers prepaid reservations and deposit, go to exploretalk.com slash join. That's exploretalktock.com slash join. Should we move on to some? Yeah, let's do some lightning round. Oh, God. Um, it's not really lightning <laughs> it's round. It's not really lightning round. There's don't worry. No pressure. We just <laughs> talked about <laughs> lowering the pressure situation. So um, I'll start. Uh, most memorable menu item from a recent pop up? Uh, well, <laughs> 
we just had Hasdak Biet in the space, um, and they make a green sauce that is... Uh, I'm obsessed with sweetened condensed milk, and I feel like I try to put sweetened condensed milk in everything, but I had never had sweetened condensed milk in the way that they put it in their green sauce, and it's like the most herby, refreshing, funky, familiar-tasting, spicy sauce I've ever had in my life, and I they left us some in a big core container, <laughs> and I just, like, I put it on everything. Today, I just had it with, um, I made some like cherry tomato confit and um, some pasta. And I was like, this is the best pesto I've ever had. Oh, <laughs> but it's nothing like pesto. <laughs> mm, I wonder, do I see a new consumer packaged goods product coming down the way? I don't know. Uh, there could be more things for Kit to launch. <laughs> right? It's endless possibilities. Um, what about, what's the menu item from Mimi's that you or your customers are missing the most? Yeah. Um, well, so this weekend, this past weekend, we did a patty melt pop-up um, where I just sort of popped up as myself. Um, <laughs> Isn't that fun? Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, so that was really fun to have people line up and uh, just sling patty melts in a way that I used to. Um, but I, I think even maybe more than the patty melt, what what I hear people ask about the most is the buffalo chicken salad. And when will the buffalo chicken salad be back? Um, so, and so, yeah, when exactly. will the buffalo chicken salad I, be back? I have to save it for one of those dark days <laughs> in winter when, you know, people are in their houses. And I need to, you know, remind them that we're here. That's when the buffalo chicken will come back. I like it. Keep <laughs> it in your back pocket. To the dark days of winter, then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, exactly. Tell us about a fantasy pop-up collaborator. A residency mm. collaborator. Excuse me, residency. Residency. Yeah. We're rebranding as residency. I like it. <laughs> um, oh, who? There's so many people. Um, I would really love to have... Uh, my gosh, this one's hard for me because I feel like... I would be willing to have anybody here that that I I can't even everyone is a dream. I can't believe anybody is coming, but I, I I'm so open to everybody coming. Um I'm really hoping that there's some fun pastry pop-ups coming down the pipeline that I'm sort of willing into reality um from many coasts of pastry superstars coming and taking over the pastry counter for more than a day so um like an all-star pastry team is what i'm my pastry pop-up residency is what i'm really hoping for and willing into the world (laughs) all right see if you talk about it it will happen that's that's how it goes um what about we ask this question to everybody the best business resource that you can that you want to share. It could be anything from like a podcast to a book or a person, mm-hmm. mentor, collaborator. Um, well, I'm really thankful. I have a huge family network of um, queer business owners that I um, I feel like every time I have a new idea about how I, you know, I want 
I want tipping to work or, um, you know, who's your, do you have an accountant do you like? It's really just, you know, the other business owners that I'm surrounded by. I can't, I can't think of a book or an online tool that I've, you know, trusted more than, um, than calling on friends who are doing the same thing that, um, I'm doing, which is just trying to make a, trying to make the hospitality industry a a better place to be. Cool. Cool. Um, opening soon announcements. We're going to, we always shout out a few people that we know in our, uh, network that are opening soon. If you have any that you want to think of while we're doing ours, then you can sure. Them out in a second. I'm gonna rack yeah. my, I'll rack my brain too, for sure. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> we have <laughs> Champions Curry out in Los Angeles is opening a new location, outfitted in some fun tillet gear. Um, and the Stagecoach Inn in Texas is opening this week as well. Cool. Anybody local? Um, yeah, I mean, I'm really, really excited for Bonnie's to open. Calvin um, from Winsun, the chef from Winsun, is opening a new spot um, called Bonnie's. And every time I eat his food, I'm so excited. I can't wait for there to be a restaurant, too. <laughs> is this him out on his own or is it part of Winsun as well? Um, you know, I don't really know exactly what... Um, everybody's relationship is to the new space, but I, I do know that everybody's close. So, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if there was some overlap, but, um, Calvin is definitely like taking the reins on this project. Um, and I know that it's his, like, you know, his food vision. So I'm really excited to eat there. Super exciting. Sounds good. Uh, and thank you for being here. Tell us, um, Libby, how we find kits online on social? Yeah, so you can find Kit um, and all of our pop-ups and all of our collaborators and residencies um, uh, at Kit underscore B-K-L-Y-N um, or by following each individual business, which is um, we'll have tagged in the bio in our Instagram. I definitely recommend checking out those jelly cakes are inspiring. <laughs> um, Absolutely. <laughs> Solid wiggles forever. Yeah. And can you, uh, sorry, uh, you can follow us at Tillit NYC and at We Are Opening Soon. Um, thanks for chatting. Yeah, this is really inspiring. Thank you so much. Thank and we you. We look forward I'm to really... hearing about the. The I'm, new people in there. Yeah, I'm coming in for a Come glass in. of wine, some like grab and Great. go and a squiggly cake. A jiggly yes. cake. A jiggly <laughs> cake. <laughs> Perfect. I'll see y'all soon. Cool. Thank you. Opening soon is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter, enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org, and connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You could also find us at facebook.com slash heritageradionetwork. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the heart at the top right of our homepage. And thanks for listening.